Hey, all of you beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast, a show about releasing the stigma surrounding mental health and finally finding your own happiness. I'm your host, Carolyn Farrick, and I'm sharing my most vulnerable stories around my own mental health journey in an open and authentic way to help you feel less alone in your struggles. We all deserve to be happy and we don't need to find happiness alone. So welcome to the search committee. Hey, serotonin searchers. Welcome back to another week of the podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Farrick, and this week I am joined by Jordana Frankel, who is a love and confidence coach who uses the magic of archetypes to help her clients heal after heartbreak and to discover their true self so they can open themselves up to a life that's meant for them. Today, we'll be talking a little bit about how to cry better and how to boost your oxytocin using song to channel the mother archetype and why the magical child archetype is just as important as your inner child. Thank you so much for being here today, Jordana. I really appreciate you to come on to talk about all of these different topics. Thank you so much for having me, Carolyn. I am so excited to be here and to talk about all of these things that are just so important to me. I am so excited to get into the conversation of how to cry better. I love having my weekly cry sessions. I like schedule out time for myself to cry and I keep it consistently. So I think that'll be a really fun conversation for us to have. But before we jump into that, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about who you are um, and just your background? Absolutely. So uh, I am a love and confidence coach. I'm also a vocal healing coach. And I came to this work as so many people do because we're going through this dark night of the soul as Carl Jung has called it. Uh, and I, my, you know, my college background is pretty irrelevant to this work. I was in a relationship and I, the relationship ended for a number of reasons, but the partner who I was with at the time, they, they really struggled with their mental health. They had had a very, very, very challenging upbringing and they were really ahead of the curve when it comes to talking about these things and how to understand uh, self-care and self-love. And, and they taught me a lot, but I resisted it. I was in a huge resistance with what they were saying. So I was like, no, 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 you know, you need to do this. Like, this is like your work. <laughs> and then when the relationship ended, wow, I realized that I loved this person more than I had ever loved myself. And I had devoted more to them than I had ever devoted to myself. I, I, you know, put more into their healing, more energy, more love, more affection, you know, and I, I, than I had ever offered myself. And that was a huge wake-up call. So that sent me down this path where I actually had an experience of divine love. And it was, I was just calling out in my bed. <laughs> I was crying and I was bawling. And I just felt so alone and abandoned and all of the pain. And I just remember being like, all right, <laughs> if there is anything bigger than than just me, than just the people who are here, please, just like, <laughs> you know, anything. And in that moment, I, I got this like flash and I, I saw, I saw some strange things, uh, but what I felt was this overwhelming 
bodily sensation of safety and love. And it took the, it just like shaved the, the top off of the pain. It didn't make it go away. It didn't make it disappear. I wasn't, I wasn't eternally free from it. It just made it a little bit more bearable. And then that began the journey. Synchronicities followed me everywhere. I, I studied Jungian uh, depth psychology. I became, I was trained as a life coach and a love coach. And then I discovered the healing power of the voice. I developed a ritual and uh, then now I work with clients and that's sort of how I got here. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. We want to get into talking about how um, we can cry better and how that can lead to boosting oxytocin. And do we want to also define oxytocin for those listeners out there who might not be aware of what it is? Yes. I am so glad that you started there. That is perfect. Yeah, so oxytocin is often called the love drug or the cuddle drug because it promotes bonding. Uh, often between a mother and child, that's sort of the, the primary bonding mechanism that it's, that it's for, but it's also for partners and intimacy. And it's also created when we cry. Uh, and it's not just specific to partners, you know, boost oxytocin. When you high five somebody, touch, massage, exercise. So there are a lot of different ways that you can, your body produces oxytocin, but it is mostly considered a social bonding chemical. And that is the piece that is most interesting to me. So I guess the one other thing that I'll say is uh, it's a neurotransmitter, it's produced in the hypothalamus and it gets a yeah, get moves into the bloodstream and, and that's that's how it scientifically functions but it makes you feel good it makes you feel connected and that's the piece the the bonding pieces that i i am so so intrigued by because let's think about it for a moment our bodies produce a feel good social bonding chemical when we're crying even when we're crying alone right Okay, this is a bonding chemical and it's produced in the body even when we're crying alone, okay? So let's just, that right there has got to tell us something, okay? That there is an element of bonding, bonding, disparate pieces that is existing in the body even when we're alone. So that is really the foundation for this theory. And the question that, came to me out of that was how can we feel more of a social bond when we're crying alone because that's what's going to give us the oxytocin boost we're going to feel bonded and that's how we get it so I imagine that we've all had the kind of cry where you're done tears have finished and you're like well I still feel like trash <laughs> and you're just still feeling alone and abandoned and maybe you're even feeling ashamed because you feel weak and uh, it's just you're in total resistance to everything that is happening in your life and maybe we're wishing our partner hadn't left us or maybe we're wishing that we hadn't been diagnosed with that incurable disease and maybe we're wishing that there's some trauma and it hadn't happened to us. 
uh, in these situations where really refusing to, refusing, unable to, unwilling to accept our current reality, that the trauma did happen, that we were diagnosed, that our partner did leave us, that somebody died. And what happens when we are unable to accept our reality is we're actually self-abandoning. We're wishing that it hadn't happened. And in that wish is a wish almost to disappear, to not be alive, or if that's like maybe too extreme, it's to be different. It's for things to have been different, to have gone differently. Uh, and we can't feel bonded to ourselves when there is a part of us that simply doesn't want to be there. Uh, it, we we, we're in total resistance to it. There's a lack of acceptance for something that's now a part of our world, something for which we really need to take responsibility. And that's not an easy pill to swallow, right? We're, if we're in resistance to it, the clock we can't, can't be turned backwards. We can't undiagnose ourselves. <laughs> uh, once, that's, once that's there, once these terrible, painful things happen, we have to be responsible for how we uh, move forward in our lives. So here we have the first step to producing more oxytocin in the body when we're crying. And that is to accept our current reality so that we can show up for ourselves and, you know, drum roll, <laughs> uh, bond with ourselves. We can create self-trust within our psychic system. And this is going to involve really consciously speaking to our inner children. So I'm sure you've heard of the inner child archetype before. I'm sure many of your, your listeners have as well. I typically ascribed to an IFS methodology, which is that there are many in your children and that they exist in different timelines uh, in our past. So we might have the inner child who felt abandoned or rejected or uh, some other painful emotion lost in when you were six and then another one when you were 10 and then another one might've happened on, you know, in high school or early, you know, 13 or something, right? So what we really will want to be doing is offering that aspect of ourselves, reassurance. We want to be asking them to trust us. That is probably the most important question that we can uh, ask our inner children, our inner child, when we're in that crying moment and we're speaking words of a short reassurance to our inner child you know frequently when we've self-abandoned we have that history of that our inner children are are a little bit reticent to trust us and that's very normal uh they feel like they've been left alone and so they have a lot of protective mechanisms which include not trusting people when they say they're going to do something and so we have to actually create the trust and say are you willing to trust trusting me? Are you open to trusting me? I've got you. Will you trust me? And even if the inner child says, maybe, maybe not today, that's, you know, that's okay. That is great. You've just taken the first step to bond with yourself. <laughs> uh, and even if it doesn't happen in that exact crying session, over time, 
you keep coming back to this moment of bonding with yourself and asking your inner child, will you trust me? Uh, I've got you. You can feel safe. It's safe to cry. It's safe to be angry. It's safe to be afraid. I'll love you no matter what. When you say all these things, we are bonding with ourselves. And that is what is going to produce the oxytocin. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's really interesting because I actually did not know any of that information. So I really like it when I'm able to learn things from this podcast as well. Are there tips that you can give to people who struggle with mental health that in those moments when you are crying, instead of letting your mind kind of wander, how would you kind of give them advice on how to reel that back in to make it a more beneficial experience so they can actually bond with themselves and boost that oxytocin? That is a fantastic question. To any of your listeners, I I wanted to address this first, if this sounds like them, if there's somebody who just doesn't cry and they believe that they're not a crier. Uh, It is possible to train yourself to allow and reopen those pathways because it's just a matter of suppression. And if you want to reopen those pathways, then I would start by offering yourself gratitude. If you start to like watch a Hallmark movie or something, or if you're watching, because like my dad, my dad is the, uh, he's the quintessential non-crier. So it's often like those that people who do have this, uh, this dilemma, they do cry. They do feel that, that wetness in the eyes and they just don't, it just ends there. So when that happens, offer yourself gratitude for your ability, your body's ability to be resilient and to open up those pathways. You'd be like, wow, I just felt that. Look, I can. Okay. And just starting by offering gratitude for the body's ability to be resilient and to move through things, right? So once we offer that, uh, the body that, the body trains itself and it starts to realize, oh, okay, it's not so bad to do this. This isn't so scary. It's not so terrible. And then you can actually, the body might produce more tears and a little bit more, and then you might actually be able to get into it. So that was the first thing that I wanted to address. Uh, And the second thing is in response to your question, which was tips for people who are struggling with mental health, who uh, to help them bond with themselves when the mind is really just overwhelmed by the crying experience. I think that's a really, really great question. And I would answer that by saying anchoring. So starting a practice, a feeling practice before you're overwhelmed. When you're just like creating a daily space between you, maybe you light a candle. This is part of my practice. I have a candle every night. Uh, I would light it. And that would be my time to feel whatever is feeling. Sometimes I just had a great, I'd had a really great day. And so my feeling was buoyancy and lightheartedness. And then it was just a really wonderful uh, opportunity to feel into that. But that's actually fantastic. We build those habits when we're not feeling sad (laughs) and overwhelmed, then it can be much easier to bring them into our life when we are, because they're anchored to feelings of calmness, tranquility, peace, or even just like neutrality. Asking yourself those questions and offering yourself that reassurance in a peaceful moment. 
I've got you. You're safe. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to feel anything that you are feeling. You are safe. I have you. Will you trust me? A lot of the times, especially when it comes to mental health, I feel like that has more of an emphasis on negative. So reminding people, hey, you can celebrate positives. You can work through positives. You can focus on positives. You don't always have to find negative connotations or things that are wrong in order to go through your feelings because I don't know. I always tend to focus on negative thoughts just because of like my depression and my mental health. So just reminding people that, Hey, it's okay to just have good things to think about. And if that's what you want to focus on that day, then do that, you know? Yeah. And that's so healthy. It's so healthy to observe when things are going well and to, to check to even when you have a great day and you want to communicate with your inner child, you're like, we had a great day today, didn't we? Yeah, we did this, we did this, we went swimming, you know, we, we, went, we went sled riding, we had some cocoa, like, yeah, I got you. See, you know, like, don't, you don't need to worry about a thing. I got you. And that is really paving the way. Those good moments are the moments that pave the way for that trust to really exist uh, when, we're, when we're in those more painful moments. So do we wanna start drifting more into um, mother archetypes? And I know you mentioned that you can use song to channel those archetypes. So do we wanna start talking about those? Yes, absolutely. And I think that this is like the perfect segue because when we're talking about building a daily ritual for feeling and for creating that those bonding moments so that when the tides turn and things feel more overwhelming, you already have that structure in place. Uh, this is a really wonderful practice to add in. So first I wanna talk about what an archetype is and how I see them. Um, I see them as energetic blueprints that build toward a very specific emotional destination. So, for example, with the lovers, the emotional destination is going to be union. It's going to be when two become one. And for the warrior, the emotional destination is protecting the vulnerable. And for the mother, it's going to be caring for and nourishing the child. And if we're wanting to activate a particular archetype within, and when we're building this ritual, this daily ritual, what we really are doing is reparenting and we're channeling the mother archetype. So uh, this is really part of that. I really like to teach my clients to assume the physical stance that is most associated with that archetype. Uh, so for example, perhaps with a warrior, you might have like a warrior stance, you know, maybe it's like that or that, right? That might be a stance. Maybe it helps you to feel like you have a lightsaber in your hand, or maybe it helps uh, to, to feel like you've got like one of those, I don't know, maybe you're an archer. You know, you can assume all of these different positions. Uh, and with the mother, the archetypal position is really going to be the, the, the like baby cradling position. Once you're in that position, that's when you can actually potentially start to envision that the, the baby is you. You are the child that you are holding. So now we're really boosting our oxytocin in this and whether or not you're crying, right? And also you're touching, your arms are touching and touch is very associated with 
oxytocin production. So putting your hands in a position where they can be touching each other and you are physically feeling your skin against your skin is going to also boost that oxytocin. And now we have an incredibly potent visualization that is linked to the archetypal energy of the mother. And this is going to lead us into the next step, which is to add in our voices. And I particularly, I love to hum Faith's Hymn by Beautiful Chorus. It's just a few bars and it's really, it's just calms me down so quickly. Uh, but humming in particular activates the vagus nerve, which enervates most of our major organs. Uh, and it helps shift you into a parasympathetic response, which if you're feeling overwhelmed, is really going to help you out. <laughs> so humming will actually do this a little bit more so than singing, though singing does it as well. But humming, your mouth is going to be closed. And so all of those vibrations that, you're, that are being created by your vocal cords are actually gonna be more be able to circulate within your, your throat and your mouth rather than being let out through the mouth. So you can sing and it's still going to be a really powerful, beautiful experience. And if you start, want to start off by humming, it can be a really powerful lead-in uh, to help you get that oxytocin boost. And if you're since you're channeling the mother, you have your invisible baby you in your arms, you're in the stance. Now you can add in a lullaby. You can find the song that your family sang to you as a child or a song that just helps you feel so calm and connected and safe and you hum that to yourself. If you do this in moments of joy and in moments of excitement and even in moments of neutrality, you're really building that trust and that habit within the body so that when you do need to channel the mother archetype and things get really tough, you will have practiced it your body, your inner child be like, oh yeah, we did this. We did this. I know, I, I know what this feels like. With the mother archetype, when you started explaining there's the different poses that you can do to channel these different kinds of things, would you say this is a similar concept to, for say, when people are about to give a big presentation or they're about to pitch something for work and everyone says, oh, put your hands on your hip and make yourself big and that's your power stance. Does that kind of trigger the same type of effects as, you know, folding your arms as if you're carrying a baby for the mother archetype? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that is 100% true. And it's, we anchor, so just anything can be anchored. You know, the taste of your, of chamomile tea, which maybe your grandmother made when you were a child, that can be anchored to feelings of safety and security uh, and nourishment because maybe, or, and laughter even possibility, because maybe your grandma was so, so funny. And so you have all of these memories and these emotional signatures that exist in just in this cup of chamomile tea. And by the same token, smells can do that as can somatic expressions, like a, like a physical stance. So do we want to go now into a little bit more about the magical child archetype? Could you explain what is the magic child archetype? And then can you kind of explain how that does differ from the inner child? Yes, for sure. So 
the magical child and the inner child are two sides of the same coin. We have the magical child who is the positive aspect. And then we have the inner child, which is more often than not the more wounded aspect. And it's sort of like a form and its shadow. The form is the magical child. Then the shadow is the inner child. It carries the, the fears, the, the repressed fears, the repressed uh, wants, the, the anger, and that really lives in the inner child. We oftentimes hear people using inner child as both, and that's absolutely correct. There's nothing wrong with that. And I like to keep them separate because I think that it can help to keep them separate. I think it can help to have one aspect be called the magical child, where it really is just the eternally unwounded aspect of the psyche. The aspect of the psyche that cannot be touched by anything that's happened. It's kind of a mind-blowing idea, right? Wait, there's a part of me that doesn't have to have, doesn't need, isn't carrying the wound, isn't carrying the shame, like that exists. Because when we call it all the inner child, well, that collapses that a little bit. It, it's like, well, now, now we're not really thinking about it as though there is an aspect that is unwounded. It's like there's an aspect that's happy and maybe an aspect that can feel sad. But that's just not, not as full of a picture uh, that I feel can be helpful. So the magical child, just like I said before, how every archetype has its unique emotional expression that it's building toward, the magical child builds toward curiosity, joy, uh, innocence, play. Play is the big one. Just really learning, not even learning, intuitively experiencing the world in a playful way. And that is the unique expression of the magical child archetype. So something else that I love to do with my clients to help them activate the magical child archetype within. And I, and I, I love to activate the magical child because as you said, you know, we tend to focus on the, the, the suffering and the pain. Uh, and it's really important if we're going to build that trust within the psychic system to also show the inner child what it's worth, what we're doing it for. Uh, you have to remind the inner child that the magical child exists and that they are one. And if you're not doing that work of bringing joy back into your life, you're only doing half of the work because why would the child trust you if you're not going to help them feel joy, excitement, right? So bringing those emotions consciously into our world is going to be very important as well. Now, where do we start, right? Especially if we're suffering from a mental health issue, like depression, you know, it can be so hard to just get out of bed. Uh, so what do we, how do we do this? Here is an example. And uh, I invite listeners to, if you're not driving or if you're not doing anything that is, uh, that requires your full attention, I invite you to close your eyes. Uh, we're going to do a very, very brief visualized meditation. And 
uh, I just want to warn folks that uh, about half of the time that I do this with clients, there are tears to some degree. There's a little bit of crying. Uh, so just be, if this is not the time for that, then, you know, put a pause, come back later and, you know, resume this when you feel ready. And I will say, these are tears of, these are good tears. These are good tears. This is not the, we're not going deep in, uh, but we are going deep. We're going deep in the good direction, <laughs> in the happy direction. So I invite you to close your eyes and just take a few breaths. And I want you to visualize your inner child, your magical child, childhood you playing in their favorite place, their favorite, favorite place. So maybe that's a swing set, maybe it's in a sandbox, maybe it's in front of a dollhouse, maybe it's at the beach. Where are they? There's some place where they are enjoying life right now. And I want you to approach them very, very slowly. I want you to get down to their level so that you're meeting them eye to eye. To take a moment and just watch them, observe them in their joy. And then I want you to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I really want to take you on a fun play date. Where do you want to go? I want you to take a moment and let your your child, your, your magical child, consider this. And they're gonna tell you where they want you to take them. When you have that answer, I want you to promise them that you will take them there. Now, your inner child might be a little bit nervous. You might be a little bit nervous about doing this too. A lot of us have fears about the responsibility that comes with taking care of our inner children. We might have problems with follow through. And so there might be a part of you that's like, oh gosh, if I make this promise, what happens if I don't keep it, if I can't keep it, <laughs> right? That's normal, that's so normal, but this is part of the trust building. That's exactly what we're doing. We are building the trust so that when those storms come and they're rough, our inner child is like, okay, yeah, I trust you, we got this. So. Once you have that promise, and once you've made that promise, uh, you can open your eyes and you, know, you can take a breath. And now we're gonna, we're gonna talk about one more thing. So your inner, maybe your inner child told you they wanna go to Disneyland. <laughs> this might not be totally in the cards for you just yet, right? So, so if it's possible, you know, I've, I had a client whose inner child wanted to, them to go swimming. They wanted to go to a pool, but it was like, winter time. So you maybe find a pool, you take a day pass to crunch or something and you go swimming. Uh, you know, you do whatever you can, or you say, okay, it's really cold out. We, I know we both want to go swimming in the summertime. I'm going to put a date on the calendar and that's the date we're going to go swimming. And then you follow through, you keep that promise. Now, if your inner child wants to take you, wants to take them to Disneyland, and that's not in the cards, you go there in your imagination. And this is doing the exact same thing. You are following through, you are putting time into your inner child, into your magical child, and you're helping them believe in you. 
you're help, you're letting them know that you are willing to take five minutes, 10 minutes out of their day and just to give them a little bit of joy, you know, and you can walk them through, you do a little bit of research, you know, in advance. Maybe you, you, you look at the, the Disneyland or Disney World map and you know that you want to do a, a, a certain ride. So then that's where you take them in your mind. And you just really feel all the feelings. You feel the excitement of going up and down on a, on a roller coaster or whatever it is that your, your inner child wants to feel. And that's how you can do it if you are not able to leave your house for whatever reason uh, and still really create that, that bonding. That was such a cool exercise. And thank you so much for sharing that. And for my listeners, if you guys are at a point where you can't do that right now, please come back to this episode and do that because it was it was huge, even just for the small amount of time I did it for. So thank you. You're so welcome. Since this is the search for serotonin podcast, I do like to ask everybody, how do you search for serotonin in your everyday life? What brings you happiness? (laughs) Well, I will say that it really ritual and community. Those are the two things I, I find that connecting with bonding with myself and the land and practices that bring me peace and serotonin and oxytocin and all those good things individually is very important so i've i've developed a morning ritual where i go out at sunrise i bring my drum i sit on a little blanket and i i drum up the sun and i like to sing i don't know i let whatever come up come up i'm usually just feeling the music and opening my voice and i love that that's my starting that brings me so much joy when i do that in the morning I feel like so powerful for the day. So that's one, one thing I do. And then community is the next piece. Uh, finding events that feel authentic in that desire to bond and authentic communication where you come away from an event and you've exchanged information with somebody and you actually want to hang out you know, where you are creating community outside of the container. Uh, That is, those events feel very, very beautiful and healing and uh, serotonin boosting for me. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I always love to hear, you know, how people work joy into their everyday lives. And I think the drum thing, like taking your drum out to drum in the sun is such a fun experience. So thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah. Awesome. And then final question for you. If my listeners want to continue following along with you, maybe they want to work with you, where can they go to find you? Yeah. Uh, can find me on Instagram. It's a great place to find me. I'm house of archetypes. You can also find me at jordanafrankel.org or jordanafrankelvocalhealing.com. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. And for my listeners, I will be linking all of that in the show notes. So then that way, if you want to go follow Jordana or check out her website or go look at her books, because I know they're on her website, um, those will be in the show notes for you guys. So you can easily access all of that information. So Jordana, thank you so much again for being here. I really love this conversation and I cannot wait to share this with my audience. I can't wait to thank you so much for having me. This is such a such delightful experience. You're, You're a delightful presence.
All right, everybody, that is it for this week. Thank you for another awesome week of the podcast. If you guys are not, make sure you follow the search for serotonin on Instagram. And also, if you're liking these interviews with guests, please, please, please go rate and review the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so I can continue to hear your guys' feedback. All right, you guys have a great week. Have a great Monday. And always remember, this world is better with you in it. This week's song is Come Back to Earth by Mac Miller. This song is all about regrets and needing to find a way out of your head. And one line in particular that Mac Miller says in this song is, and I I was drowning, but now I'm swimming through stressful waters to relief. And I think that line fits perfectly with this episode because we talked all about crying, you know, people not being able to cry and how you can get to a place where you're able to cry and connect with yourself so you're able to cry better and get more out of that experience. So if you want to listen to Come Back to Earth by Back Miller, that will be available on the Search for Serotonin playlist, which can be found in the show notes. Have a great week, you guys. I'll see you back here next Monday.